Welcome to a throwback edition of the Social Flight Live podcast, where we feature a special past episode that stood out from all the rest. Join our live broadcast every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern at socialflightlive.com. Social Flight is brought to you by Aspen Avionics, Avidyne, Bose Aviation, Continental Aerospace Technologies, Lightspeed Aviation, Massimo Mighty Sat, Tempest Aero Group, and Whip Air. And now, here's your host, Jeff Simon. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Social Flight Live. My name's Jeff Simon. We have a fantastic show for you this evening. We have Chris Rose, senior photographer of AOPA here, and Scott Slocum is back with us, president of Aero Marketing Group and photographer for EAA as well. And as we go to get started, uh, I'd like to uh, open up a little, uh, another part of our presentation here for you to see. Um, another quick reminder, you know, we have a very interesting perspective on things here at Social Flight. We get to see people who are actually out there flying, going to events, what are happening at local chapters, destinations, all sorts of activity. It gives us a very, very unique perspective during this crisis at how general aviation is doing. And so I'd just like to say that we are seeing some outstanding growth over the last month. August was absolutely amazing, and September is already in its first half showing to be absolutely booming as well. And so I would encourage you very much to go to socialflight.com or get the free Social Flight mobile apps. It's just Social Flight, one word, and uh, you can see the tens of thousands of events and destinations and everything else that's happening. I think it's very, very important that as long as that we're all uh, practicing safe social distancing, which so many of the EAA chapters and other organizations are doing right now and still able to have their events, we can keep our industry going. Uh, we can support the small businesses that make us up and uh, the FBOs, the pilot shops, everything that goes to keeping general aviation going. That's really why we created Social Plate to begin with. And it's, uh, it's really uh, helpful for all of us, for our community. Another piece of news here, uh, we had the uh, release last evening of the first chapter of Social Flight's uh, Summer Adventure of 2020, and that was our glacier flying in a beach bonanza. Part one, Into the Storm, has been released, uh, part one of our journey, and you'll have to watch to see the details of that, but uh, we had a really epic trip and something that I think that uh, I'm hopeful that all of you will be able to uh, join us with uh, as well. So tonight, we are here to talk about aviation photography and specifically air-to-air -air photography. And um, I'd like to introduce Chris Rose of AOPA. Chris began his career, let me bring Chris on the line here. Um, Chris began his career in aviation in 1993 and has traveled extensively throughout the Americas, Europe, Africa, photographing aviation-related subjects and events his work appears monthly in AOPA Pilot and AOPA Flight Training Magazines and has been published in periodicals and advertising around the world. Chris resides with his family in Frederick, Maryland, home to AOPA headquarters. Chris, uh, how are you doing? Jeff, I'm doing great. How are you? Good. I uh, somehow uh, don't uh, actually have your, uh, your monitor right up in front of me, but I will, uh, I'll find a way to solve that in a minute. Um, I'd like to then also introduce who will be joining Chris tonight. And that is Scott Slocum. 
Uh, Scott is president of the Aero Marketing Group and photographer for EAA. Scott's love of aviation and warbirds goes back to attending CAF air shows when he was young, watching B-17s and Mustangs take to the skies of Harling, Texas. Um, uh, Scott has been a professional aviation photographer for over 15 years. He has over 100 magazine covers to date. He's been shooting for EA since 2015. He's a native Texan, lives in Dallas with his wife, Catherine, and daughter, Taylor. How are you doing, Scott? Let's bring Scott on the line here as well. There we go. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. Excellent. Now, quick note to everybody else who's watching here. You, uh, the, as far as controls of the system, two things. First of all, you actually can go and uh, post your questions in the Q and A section of um, uh, of, of the uh, uh, software that we use here. We'll try to integrate those the answers to those questions directly in our program, and uh, we will also try to uh, see if we can answer some of those towards the end. If we haven't gotten to them, if we do run out of time, we'll pass those along to uh, both Scott and Chris as well. Another uh, quick notice, tonight's broadcast will be recorded. And if so, if for any reason uh, anyone would like to see something afterwards, a link will be sent out to you and you can always find it at Social Flight's YouTube channel. And lastly, while we are showing images, which we will be showing tonight um, uh, as part of this broadcast, uh, that you have the ability, if you're looking on a mobile device, you can swipe the screen uh, left and right, I believe, or up and down, and that will make it possible for you to uh, actually go and see different parts that are uh, different things that are going on there, uh, whether it be us on screen or whether it be the images that we are showing, uh, and you can resize things as well. So with that, uh, let's get started. Um, hey, uh, let me start. First of all, Scott, you created that quick intro video. Uh, you've got to give me some background. That was, uh, we're here to talk photography, but that video was absolutely spectacular. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, so we were up doing a project in uh, Minot, North Dakota with these two Mustangs, uh, the one that he just got finished and uh, doing a story for EA on that. And that's actually a compilation of some B-roll footage that we got from our uh, camera system we have on our Baron and uh, that we put together. So. Um, I kind of liked it because it kind of shows, uh, you'd probably agree, Chris. I mean, it kind of shows what air to air is all about, right? It's just, absolutely. yeah, yeah. So, uh, maybe you're, maybe your air to air, my, my, some of my video doesn't look that good. I think that. <laughs> that was, that was amazing. Really. Well, beautiful. I appreciate that. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, it's, um, I mean, the, those two great pilots flying those airplanes, it was a real pleasure to capture them. What was the story behind it? How did you, how did that video shoot happen? Well, so uh, again, uh, doing the story on, there's two airplanes, Lopes Hope, which was restored a couple of years ago, and then Miss Kitty was just restored uh, this year. And so we went out to do a shoot with them both together because they're both, they're both in the same livery, the black tails. And so uh, we brought them up to shoot stills that was the main mission but i went ahead and set up the video system on the baron while we were doing that to since it was so beautiful just go ahead and get some nice uh, footage of the of the aircraft as well so wow. yeah well we're obviously here to talk about stills so let let's first talk about i mean uh chris uh, you're new to the show how how did you get involved in aviation photography and and how did you wind up at aopa well, I didn't start out as an aviation photographer for AOPA. I actually, my um, my degree is in graphic design with a minor in photography, and uh, I started uh, started at AOPA 
um, while I was still a senior in college. Um, so I started in 1993. I, I commuted my uh, commuted from my dorm room to AOPA for the first couple of months that I worked there. But uh, got hired as the uh, as a graphic designer and later the art director, and then uh, transitioned over to photography. Uh, I think probably about 2006, 2007, something like that. Wow, and uh, it must be a, a, I mean fascinating. I mean between the two of you. When, when we each get, um, you know, our monthly magazines, uh, a lot of those epic pictures that we see and those air-to-air shots are done done by the two of you in, in, in EA Sport Aviation and AOPA Pilot. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's not a lot of aviation photographers out there. There's a lot of people that take pictures of airplanes uh, and some very good photographers also do some aviation photographer. But for people uh, like Scott and I, I think that we're sort of a unique breed because, you know, our specialty is aviation and that's, that's pretty much all we do. So, so uh, let me ask you, Scott, um, what's involved when you, when you approach a shoot, uh, there's a lot of moving parts I would imagine to this. Absolutely. Take me through how how it goes from concept all the way uh, you know through some what are the stages that are involved there? Yeah, so I tell my students that the shooting is actually the easy part, right? So it's logistics of organizing the shoot. Uh, you know, you've got uh, the pilots are the most important part of it. Your photo pilot uh, is very key. Um, the the pilots of the subject aircraft they need to be formation. They need to have some formation experience. If they don't, you need to know that so that you can work around it. Um, and then uh, you got to understand the kind of compatibility of the photo ship with the subject aircraft. You know, if you're in a Bonanza shooting, for example, a jet, you know, what are the, the envelopes, uh, the flight envelopes, so that you can make sure everything can stay safe for what you're trying to accomplish creatively. And then uh, your locations. Uh, what is the client looking for? Uh, or the editor of the magazine, what are they looking for? Um, and then weather. So yes, there's a lot of things that need to come together to make a shoot like this happen, starting with uh, the organization of it. So Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, the organization is key um, and just making sure that everybody is, you know, aware of what the expectations are and uh, making sure that everyone, like as you mentioned, is uh, is a qualified formation pilot and, and cool. that they actually are and, and not just saying that they are. <laughs> right. well, I'm going to bring up uh, one of the uh, images here, and, and I'll I'll tab through some of these as we uh, as we move along, um, and, and that will allow you to see. And uh, again, for everybody watching, you should be able to see our webcams, and then be able to swipe back and forth if you'd like to see some of these images or size it back and forth. So um, this is uh, obviously one of them. I think uh, Chris, this is one of your shots. Um, was, was this for a story? Was this for, uh, Umbrer? Yeah, the, so this was, uh, this was for a story that we did for our, uh, turban edition of Pilot Magazine. Uh, we shot that, uh, on the coast of Florida, down near, down near Melbourne, uh, which is, uh, Embraer's uh, home base. And, uh, that is a, I believe that's a Phenom 100. Yeah. Uh, we shot that a few years ago. It was just a, a beautiful evening and, uh, wasn't a lot going on in the airspace, and so we had had the sky to ourselves. It was uh, it was a great shoot, and great pilots. I mean, I've I've worked with a lot of you know 
formation pilots, uh, including our own, which are which are some of the best, as as I'm sure EAs are. But uh, from a corporate standpoint, I have I have not worked with too many other pilots uh, that are more uh, more savvy at, at at formation flying than the corporate pilots at Embraer. They are they are really really good. And I mean, and, and Scott, this is a good one for you. Do you guys end up often working with the same uh, pilot? At, I, I would imagine, at least, that you may be working with the same pilot for your aircraft and different pilots for the target for the one that you're shooting. Is that the case? For me, yeah. Um, I have about four different guys I work with that um, um, that fly my airplanes that I trust explicitly and uh, know what I want. Because that's another key aspect of this um, to make it one of these shoots go really well. The, the photo pilot needs to understand the creative aspect of it also to help find the backgrounds and the get the lighting in the right way. And and so yeah, um, I I have a couple that I go to for certain kinds of projects. Like one one guy uh, specifically for video because he understands how to move the airplane around to get the video shots I'm looking for. Um, but it, it is key, and I think it's a very underestimated part of this process is the, the photo pilot on this as far as uh, their experience level and uh, to be able to execute great creative and do it safely and in a timely manner. I agree. And, and um, so do you both – what type of aircraft do you generally shoot out of when you're, when you're doing this? I know you learned from, from Scott, at least, uh, from the – Great Paul Bowen shooting out of he used to shoot out of the, the back of a, a bomber, right? Right. <laughs> I think all all of us would shoot out of one of those if we if we could, but uh, right. <laughs> but yeah, he operates two fifty eight Barons. Uh, we just we had an A thirty six that we just sold, um, but uh, both of those platforms are great. You know, obviously, if you could shoot out of B twenty five, it would be probably the most optimal platform out there, but. It's a lot more expensive in order to work with. So uh, I think what, Chris, you guys use A36s, right? Yeah, we use mostly the A36. Um, you know, obviously we're shooting some some slower aircraft uh, because some of our the aircraft, the subject aircraft are a little bit smaller. So we try to obviously, you know, match the aircraft as well as we can. The A36 gives us a really broad platform to, uh, you know, we can shoot everything from jets actually, um, uh, th this particular photo that you're that you have up right now was shot with a bonanza. That was actually shot with Patty Wagstaff's V-tail bonanza that has photo windows oh, really? on each side. Um, but AOPA has um, two bonanzas that we use, uh, A36s that we can remove the doors on, and then we have a couple other aircraft uh, that are available to us if we need them. Uh, we've got an air cam, we've got a 182 with photo windows, and uh, and, and a few others. Now this is another one. This is uh, is this the uh, Waco on floats? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a rare bird. There's not don't see too many Wacos on floats these days. No. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah that, was, that was that was I was shot uh, right over uh, Frederick, Maryland. Actually, not not too far from AOPA's home base. Oh wow, that's uh, that, that's 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 pretty impressive. That's that's a fun one. Now I know Scott. I'll switch over uh, uh, some of the um, uh, shots that we have. Um, from you here are uh, many of the military. Let me see if I can get that uh, uh, brought up here. There we go. Oh, okay. 
So uh, for that EAA, like a lot of coordination right there. Right. <laughs> so uh, EAA hires me to do what they call their fast moving stuff or more complicated formation stuff normally. Uh, this is uh, obviously a heritage flight to uh, the F-35 flight team with uh, the Kavanaugh's P-51 Mustang. And uh, the challenge on this shot, just real quickly, the F-35 does not look good flying slow. It uh, carries a lot of alpha. And so uh, in order to, to make it look kind of like it wants to fly in formation with even a, a Mustang, um, you need to position the airplane a little bit different angles for them to go together. And I see a lot of photos of these of, uh, mixed matches here, and the F-35 doesn't look as good with it, but I, I, I like those. We brought the airplane up a little bit, and I, I think it worked well with the Mustang here on that. And that's yeah. kind of based on, like, the angles that you're showing. And when you say alpha, you're talking about, of course, the angle of attack that, that the aircraft's flying at, and you can kind of you can see that in the wingtips basically coming off. In the, in the that's screen. right. Exactly. That must, that must have been a great sound. <laughs> it was. <laughs> that's a lot of noise happening up there. Yeah, I have to ask we, yeah. we, I have to ask both of you because we got we have one of the questions uh, that came in that's really seems like you know it's it's on everyone's mind. How how do you uh, secure yourself in there? How are you able to be safe at the same time as you move around as much as you need to for the shot? Just hold on, really. <laughs> uh, no, we we use approved harnesses that are uh, that are affixed to a hard point inside the aircraft. Yeah. And then, and then all of my gear is also harnessed in. Um, I use, um, I actually use these like coiled, uh, it's basically, it looks like a telephone cord, but it's got a cable that runs through it. So all of my equipment, all my, my gyros, my lenses, my cameras and everything are all secured inside the aircraft also, including myself. Really? So, so, an, so an individual lens it, it, it isn't going to wind up in someone's backyard ever. That, that every single. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, I, I don't have any wood near me right now, but I will knock on it soon. Uh, I have not lost any cameras outside of the airplane. I've lost a few lens caps, uh, several gloves, um, <laughs> and and a couple of uh, polarizing filters. But that's that's been that's been the bulk of it. That's been about Scott. How are you for keeping all your equipment? Same thing. Everything's tethered. Uh, the, you know, what's nice about the A36 and the 58 is the, the, the approval to take the doors off, uh, is very simple. Um, and, uh, and there's several hard points that you can attach to on that. So, um, uh, we move around, we've got, we can go shoot through the floor to the right and the left. So we, we have some movement, but the idea is not to let you go out the door. That's what the harness is there for. Yeah. Now, did you say, did you say you, you have a port to shoot through the floor? Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a poor man's B-25 uh, mod on the uh, Baron there. That's pretty impressive. Nice. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to show people that at some point in the future here. Now, Scott, this is another one of your shots. Um, yeah, so this is a, a B-17 out of Oregon uh, that was just painted in this livery. And, uh, I, you know, my inspiration comes a lot from aviation art. And that's what I have a lot of it hanging in my office. Mm -hmm. And so anytime I see a shot, coming together like this with clouds in particular. We all love clouds, right, Chris? I mean, just, uh, they make Absolutely. Clouds, right? Um, you know, I just kind of have in the back of my mind, you know, how would Stokes handle this or Blair or, uh, you know, Shaw? You know, I just, uh, that's kind of my, how I like to portray warbirds, very timeless backgrounds. Um, and then, uh, you know, just just to really draw your attention to the to the airplane. And so, 
Um, you know, I do a lot of corporate shooting as well. It's not like this, but I mean, for Warbirds, I love to do this kind of style. So, so, so let's talk about setting up a shot. Um, you mentioned that you, you briefed the mission with the pilot. What, what are you looking for? Where do you want the sun to be? What time of day? Uh, what, can you each give me some input on this? Chris? Well, you know, I, traditionally the, the, the thought has been, you know, that magic hour, you know, an hour after sunrise and an hour before sunset. And, and that does yield a lot of great photos. Uh, we, we try to extend that a little bit. Um, I've actually taken some, some photos that I really liked in the middle of the day. Um, but typically you're looking for a lower angle of light. So you get that nice keyed light on the aircraft and, uh, you don't get the, you know, a lot of the highlights and things like that blown out. But, um, Typically, uh, you know, a couple hours after sunrise, maybe an hour after sunrise and a couple hours before sunset. It also depends on the time of the year. Um, you know, you get a different quality of light in, in August uh, than you do in, you know, March or April. Um, so, uh, you know, it, you almost have to play it. You have to tailor, uh, you know, how you're going to shoot an aircraft with each individual shot in, during different times of the year. Mm -hmm. So to kind of add to that, if you think about uh, the lower light, you're getting more shadows on the ground. Every mm -hmm. blade of grass is casting a shadow in low mm -hmm. light. So basically it's creating contrast. And for me, and like I mentioned before, contrast is what it's all about. You're trying to find the light in the dark to, so that the, the attention is really drawn to the aircraft. Um, and so that's why I think shooting in the lower light is important. And I like to shoot, especially business aircraft, even after sunset, you know, where you get that mm -hmm. nice reflection of color on the fuselage. Um, so, but, but time of day, I think is, is important. I mean, you can always put a polarizer filter on to help you out with contrast. If you are stuck shooting in the middle of the day, a lot of times that happens, we, you know, if we're doing military stuff and they only fly at two o'clock in the afternoon. So you got to make it work. So right. put your polarizer filter on and, and uh, do the best you can with it. Yeah, I agree. Polarizers are, are key. Yeah. Now, um, another, uh, when we think about, you, you both mentioned shooting out of uh, Beechcraft, and uh, most of the shots seem to be at this type of an angle. And so, therefore, does that mean that the sun should pretty much always be, uh, you know, directly to the, you know, right in front of them or to the left of the pilot, basically always trying to be 10, 11 o'clock uh, sun for the pilot? Uh, no, actually, I, I prefer the sun to be um, at about a one o'clock position on the aircraft. You know, I, I think a lot of people assume that you want the you want the sun lighting the side of the aircraft that you're shooting. Um, but that's not always the case. I, I actually like to position the light at about a one o'clock position. Uh, that way it really accentuates the, the natural lines of the aircraft and you're not getting as much reflection back um, towards uh, you know, back, back onto the aircraft. Mm -hmm. um, I also find that a lot of times, you know, if I position the sun at one o'clock and I've got the aircraft in between myself and the sun, uh, that the sun actually will bounce off of the aircraft that I'm in and help light the sort of the shadowed side of the aircraft doesn't always work, but it, but it does sometimes. And uh, so we, we use that to our advantage also, but rarely do we shoot the sunny side of the aircraft. It's, it's uh, especially with uh, really reflective surfaces. It's, it's tough. 
you know, yeah. it's interesting. I think you can see what you're describing here. And now, Scott, this is one of your one of your uh, uh, images here of Doc. Um, but I think you can kind of tell that where the where the sun's coming from by the way it's laying up uh, the nose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, in particular, I'm I'm right with you, Chris, about twelve thirty to one o'clock because especially when you're shooting uh, props, it helps light up the props better too because of the angle of the props. Um, and then, uh, you know, if you can have clouds to help you reflect back, so you can use them almost like a, a light reflector. Right. And in this case, with this airplane, which was, uh, this was just when it was finished, it was so shiny. If I had the sun right on it, it would be just a glaring mass of uh, starburst coming at me. You know, right, right. so much, so much chrome or, or polished aluminum, excuse me, on that thing. So. Yeah, I mean, as, as it is, the wing is reflected all the way up the left side of the fuselage. That's right. <laughs> Polished aluminum looks great until it until it works against you, and then it's your uh, worst enemy. Right. It only what looks about good. props. You know, that's always something that people are interested in has to do with prop learn. We talked a little bit about that last time. What can you tell me now about when you, what, first of all, what you do to try to get that to kind of full disc? And then also, as you've done in this shot, sometimes uh, from our last discussion, you don't always want a full disc. You kind of want to see how many blades there are. So uh, can you tell a little bit about that, Scott? Yeah, just uh, briefly, uh, when you're shooting warbirds, um, you know, the, the amount of blades that, uh, that you're working with. And, uh, you know, I've, from experience, realized in order to get a full disc on, uh, for example, a radial engine like this with four blades, you're going to be between one 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 fiftieth and a sixtieth of a second, basically about a half a second on that. But mm -hmm. uh, this, this was a more dynamic move. She was breaking away here, so I sped it up just a little bit. Um, so it's not quite full disc, but uh, but yeah, you know, uh, the 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 thing was is uh, you used to use gyros to get these kind of shots, but now the lenses are so good at stabilization. I don't, I don't really use gyros anymore at all in my stills. So what I'm telling you is, is that your, your average really good lens that you would get, uh, you can get something like this. It takes a little bit of practice to be able to how you hold the camera. You know, I view it like I'm shooting a gun. You know, I don't, I don't fire and hold it down. I'm shooting and I'm shooting and I'm shooting. I'm shooting a lot of pictures to get a sharp one. There's probably one out of three of these. Shooting that slow is going to be totally sharp, but, uh, but you can get it. And it's just uh, a matter of practice. So do you remember, like for this example, for this particular picture, can you give our our, uh, our viewers an, an, an idea, like what was your equipment? Well, this was the um, 70-200 on the Nikon D850. And uh, I imagine this was probably at a 60th. Uh, we were shooting out of our Bonanza for this shot. Uh, we were pretty high. We had to go up to about 11,000 feet to get above this layer. And the sun was setting. I had about five minutes weather. And uh, we... Uh, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that was probably, a, probably around F8 at a 60th, pretty low light actually here. Mm -hmm. and, and, and what is that in true ASA? Oh, I keep the ASA uh, probably was probably around 150 or so here. The Nikon, uh, you can go to, uh, it's got a pretty wide range of settings here, but whenever you shoot shutter priority, which is when you're shooting propeller aircraft, because you want to you want to kind of lock in what you're looking for there and be able to adjust the shutter fairly quickly, then uh, then you 
in order not to go too hot or too cold, you use your ISO to keep keep your uh, um, f-stop in line. So the the sharpest point of a lens, right? If you're shooting at f-22, for example, it's not as sharp. Okay. So if you want to keep it around eight, or you want to go shallow depth of field to blur the background out, then you can use your ISO to control that because your shutter is fixed. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I think that, might, makes, that, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> At least to an amateur like myself, it certainly does. So let's uh, let me switch uh, again the uh, images that we're kind of showing here and uh, go back uh, here to another one. Um, this is it looks like a sky lane and a, a totally different kind of angle. Chris, this is one of your shots. Uh, right really interesting perspective and, and very much a landscape shot. What's the story behind this one? Yeah, so we were, uh, we were fortunate enough to travel with uh, a group of folks down to, uh, down to into the Bahamas. Um, it was a group of people who owned air cams. Uh, those mm -hmm. of you that don't, aren't, aren't familiar with air cams, uh, you know, it, it's a great platform for, for a photo platform, but uh, we followed the group down there. We, we brought down AOPA's 182, which is the one you see here. It's got photo windows in it. And we just switched positions one night coming back from, uh, coming back from a photo shoot. It was a low sun angle. And, um, you know, we were kind of shooting into the sun because we were heading back to uh, where we were staying. We didn't really have a choice, but, uh, you know, we snapped off a couple of shots and uh, it just, you know, the sun, the sun was at the right position that it didn't uh, completely blow out the side. And, uh, you know, we were able to uh, still get uh, some light coming in from the other direction. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's one of my favorite shots also. So what are you, what aircraft are you shooting from? I'm actually shooting from an air cam. I, I'm shooting from the subject plane. I, I'd been shooting the air cam that I was in all day, and then we landed and we decided to uh, switch positions, honestly, just because I enjoyed being in the air cam. It's a really fun aircraft to fly in. Uh, and we were shooting some shots on the way back, um, and, uh, and this was one of them. I was going to say, I think it's time for AOPA to get an air cam. This is, this is one of those <laughs> shots that... You're not going to get from any other kind of plane. You're, you're out. You're hanging out the nose here because I was thinking. I agree. Right, there's this would have been an incredibly fast shot if you were head on going the other direction from an A36. <laughs> yes. Yes. This was not the A36. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, the AirCam's a great. It's a great platform for photography. For most photography, uh, you know, for for shots like this, it's unbeatable. Um, but you know, when you have to shoot you know, that sort of that power shot with the airplane coming right at you, it's, it, it falls off a little bit, but it, it's a great slow flyer and uh, boy, it's a lot of fun to fly in. Yeah. Now this is another one uh, that, where, where, where was this one done? So that one is on the South Island uh, in, of New Zealand. Um, we went down there, uh, I guess it was about a year and a half ago. Um, and, uh, you know, New Zealand is just an amazing amazing place to photograph uh, and and certainly with an airplane you can put it into uh, a half a dozen different unique scenarios within an hour and a half photo shoot uh, because you've got mountains you've got glaciers you've got volcanoes beaches uh, even desert looking environments so it was a it was a real real treat to be able to go down there and, and photograph uh, photograph these aircraft and and this was uh Again, we were coming back from a photo shoot, and uh, the light was just right over these mountains, uh, and uh, we we were able to make these photos. 
Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about editing. Uh, Scott, last week you talked uh, about um, a, a lot of work that's done in Photoshop, and I, I probably should have opened it since this is Chris's photo with it, but what, how much of the pictures that we've been seeing uh, are, like what level of editing is, is done? This, this one, Chris, for example, uh, looks, I can't tell you know, what degree it's real and what degree it isn't. Right. Well, you know what's interesting about this photo is in, in what I I edit every one of my photos. Um, every one of my photos uh, I shoot uh, I shoot in in the raw format. So uh, I I edit uh, and you know do things like boost saturation, remove dirt and things like that uh, out of the sky that often shows up. Um, and but this this particular photo really doesn't have as much editing as it might look. And it's because the atmosphere down in New Zealand was just, it's almost like being in the West. I actually mm -hmm. had to desaturate some of my photos because it just looked unnatural. The sky is so blue. Uh, there's almost no humidity. So you just see for, for miles and miles and miles. Uh, so it was a, again, just another, <laughs> reason, another reason to go to uh, New Zealand, New Zealand to, uh, to photograph, but I, I edit all of my photos. Uh, all of my, you know, you don't, there's never, there's never one that's quote unquote straight out of the camera. Um, yeah. And, 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 and this one, you mentioned that you actually didn't do a ton on, it looks like it's a Lord of the Rings poster that you just put an airplane. Yeah. On. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we don't, we don't replace skies or anything like that. And, and if we ever do, we always call it a photo illustration, but, um, but as far as just a slight, you know, saturation boost, sharpening, removing of, you know, dirt and grime and things like that, uh, they all get it. Uh, it's the same thing with me. Um, uh, I shoot in raw. You shoot in raw knowing that you're going to edit from a, a saturation and a density standpoint. Um, but, uh, you know, shooting air to air, uh, there's a lot of dust involved. <laughs> so a lot of times there will be. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So you have to uh, get that out of there. But I don't do a ton of, uh, I don't do any background replacement. Um, but it, just like you said, it might be a contrast here, a little bit of color here. Um, just like he was saying, this was off of uh, Big Sur in California last year. And uh, I had to actually desaturate this one because uh, the airplane was, was like exploding off the, <laughs> off the frame there, you know. Um, oh. uh, this was, uh, this, we did a shoot all the way from Camarillo up to San Francisco, all on the coast. It was a beautiful flight and uh, looking that's for a, a target. That's a, great, that's a great piece of coastline too. Oh man, it's just gorgeous. Yeah. And you have them positioned and framed and, and, and put together so beautifully with, uh, you know, exactly that moment with the bridge in exactly the right place. It's, it, it's really impressive. So that's where the, a experienced photographer will actually be able to look ahead and see what's coming and then move the airplanes where they want them so that you can do this. You know, if they were up a little bit and you covered the bridge, it wouldn't be near as dramatic, right? Or if it was too low and you had to go too wide, uh, it would be, everything would look too small. So that's, that's where the experience comes in to be able to move the airplanes around to fit with the background. And that, as you, as you get better at this, you start looking at the background more than you do the airplanes. Uh, now, do you fly the route to see the backgrounds first? Uh, no. Um, in fact, I'd never even been on this route before, but uh, as you're looking ahead, so, and the, and the Baron and the Bonanza, you have a pretty wide open door, so you can look, look, look around and see what's coming. And then as you get, as the subject gets closer, then you can move them up and down and where you want them to line up for contrast and for the color and, uh, and for the framing. 
uh, this particular client was looking for what we call lifestyle aviation photos. So they wanted a lot more background in the shot. So that the, the idea was that uh, you understood that this is a whole aviation experience here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. And I think what the point that Scott makes is that, you know, backgrounds 20 or 30 years ago, um, sort of when I got into the, into the aviation world and started looking at aviation magazines, people really didn't show backgrounds that often in, in aviation photography. It was all about the power shot. You know, every cover was the airplane right up in your face, the big prop disc, uh, you know, right on the cover. And you really never saw the background. And then, you know, as, as time has gone on, I think people realize that, you know, you want to see an airplane in its natural environment and, and seeing the background really helps capture not only the, the joy of flight, but uh, really gives you a sense of space and, and perspective mm. of, of what it's like to be in the air. Well, thank, I agree completely. I mean, as a viewer, just as someone who sees these photos, the difference between the, the close-up or the beauty shot that's just of the aircraft versus like this shot right here is this is what I can identify with. This is one that, that, like you said, it's like a lifestyle shot. I see it in its yeah. own environment. I imagine what it's like then to do it. If I were certainly selling aircraft, you'd, you'd want to see this every day versus just how pretty it is on the ground. Right. Yeah. And so, to, that, to that point, I mean, you had asked a question about, um, you know, briefing and talking about how to set all this stuff up. You know, when you sit down, we do a creative brief and we do a pilot brief. And the creative brief is where the, the photographer or the art director or both get together and they talk about what they want to accomplish. And then, then they take that information and the pilots talk about how to execute that safely. So that's, that's the important part. Yeah. Now, this is a good example of that, Scott. This is one of yours. And um, now, are, when you're doing this, are you all on an air-to-air -air frequency and everybody's on the same thing, including you in the back? That's correct. So my style is I actually set up to where I can talk to the pilot directly um, as the director and the photographer. Um, a lot of people will talk to the photo pilot and the photo pilot will relay it to the subject aircraft. But yeah, we are on a discrete frequency talking here about what so we want. You're on yeah, the same, same way, same way and then, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, we, we do it very much the same way. We're on a discrete frequency. I, I don't have the push to talk in the back uh, like Scott does, but uh, we, we typically uh, fly with a, both the, the pilot and also a safety pilot. And I relay all the, uh, all the messages through the, uh, through the safety pilot if, if hand signals aren't working. Got it. Got it. And uh, is there a particular story to this one, Scott? Well, uh, the P-38 is one of my favorite warbirds, and uh, flying next to, in this case, it was an A-36 also at 160 knots. I mean, that propeller is going really, really slow. You can almost count the blades. So I think this is uh, less than a 50th, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, what I liked about it was they had just painted this new livery on this airplane, uh, and uh, um, the... The, the night, the lighting, everything uh, just turned out perfectly. Uh, it wasn't too bright. I was worried that the colors uh, would actually try to pop too much. Uh, and, but uh, no, it just came out great. The, we, this was uh, in Massachusetts and over a lake uh, over there close to, uh, to where, call, this is Calling Foundations, uh, P-38. Ah, yeah. That's like backwoods here, flight. here at Social Flight. That's like, we could walk there. <laughs> okay. So yeah, you're here, right? Um, anyway, uh, so it was real special for me because uh, 
just all the conditions. And Chris, I know you probably know this. When it all comes together, it's like this three-dimensional thing that happens. Yeah. Perfect lighting, great pilots, great backgrounds, great subject, and you're creating art. And that's the beauty and fun of this whole thing. Well, yeah, absolutely. Great I, absolutely, I absolutely love that uh, you also have the contrast of, of both the lake and the, the, the forest. So that comes that aviation art thing, right? So I want the, you know, this particular livery was in the Pacific. Um, so I wanted water involved with it. Um, and, uh, but I wanted the land to kind of push the aircraft out to, to sea a little bit from a framing standpoint. Um, and, you know, with the trees, it's a little bit complicated. The props got lost a little bit in it. So I waited. I didn't wait. I was shooting the whole time, frankly. But I mean, the, the shot came in when he, uh, when we were in a right-hand turn here, we got, got out of the water. And I think this actual shot was used in National Geographic for uh, wow. uh, spread. So that was kind of cool. That's, that's, it's so impressive. And I love the way that you framed it as like pushing it out to sea for an aircraft that operated in the Pacific. Yeah. yeah when you, it's, it's interesting because, uh, like I said, I've got students, we teach air to air. Um, but you, you see it. When a student finally realizes they're working with the backgrounds for the airplane versus just shooting the airplane, it's starting to click. That's what mm -hmm. aviation air to air is all about, making that happen. This is another example, uh, you know, down of, of two different planes, but also, again, where you went over an island, you could see what was happening. Yeah, this was Oshkosh a couple of years ago. This K model A26 just got finished uh, with restoration. And so, when I'm shooting warbirds, I'm looking for timeless. I'm looking for something that kind of would look kind of like the time frame it would have been uh, in uh, service. Uh, in this case, obviously in Vietnam. So it was a hazy morning over uh, a marshy lake. So this was actually shot through that porthole in the floor of uh, of the the Baron. So I'm with this straight down shot. Yeah. Wow. We're gonna have to get a picture of that next. I'm, I'm gonna start thinking about cutting holes in the bonanza. I like that. <laughs> yeah, it really is timeless. Again, it, it puts you right into that into that uh, place. I'm going to switch now again and uh, uh, go take a look at um, when we talk color. Um, here's one, obviously, uh, Chris, in, really impressive when we talk color. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, this was a, we, we did this just a, a couple of months ago down um, just outside of uh, I always get these mixed up. It was Beaufort, South Carolina. It's not Beaufort. That's North Carolina. Uh, but Beaufort, South Carolina, it's, um, it was this, sort of just this marshy area um, uh, just outside of town, really. I mean, if you were to pan up, you would see sort of the downtown and the marina and everything else. But uh, I had a, a great pilot uh, who was flying the subject plane and, uh, and just a really cool aircraft. And it was one of these situations, like Scott mentioned, that where everything just came together. You know, we, um, I believe this was, a, this was an evening shoot, but we got out there, the light was looking great and it was just getting better. And, you know, just the combination of the light, a cool airplane and, uh, and somebody that really knew how to fly it for, uh, for a photographer. So, you know, there just wasn't a position that I could ask him, uh, to, to get into that he couldn't make instantaneously happen. Uh, and it was, it was, it was a real treat that doesn't happen always, but uh, in this case it did. So now, and, and smoke helps <laughs> everybody mm, be like smoke. Totally <laughs> <does>. <laughs> yep. How, how frequently are you flying with, uh, with people who have had formation training 
uh, and, and therefore very much know what they're doing. I think one of the things that's important here is, is to, to advise people on what things they can do with people that have had training, and if they haven't, they should get training or yeah. keep a safe distance. Yeah, you know, I mean, I typically, most of the photography that we do is with, um, you know, the fact that I work for a magazine is nice because the editor that I'm typically traveling with is a formation uh, qualified pilot. So that helps a lot. Uh, there are cases when I do have to fly with people um, who are not formation qualified, uh, but if they are, if they are flying the subject aircraft, um, we will keep them at a distance. We'll, we'll keep it a very, very loose, loose shoot. Um, and even when people say, you know, I've flown formation before, um, that that isn't always good enough. I mean, you really want to make sure you you want to have sort of somebody backing up somebody else, saying, listen, this guy, this person's legit. Um, but nine times out of ten, we travel with our own formation pilot, uh, or we work with a group of people around the country that we're one hundred percent sure not only are formation qualified, but they're people that are doing this kind of work, um, you know, at least once a month. So are you saying that it's your formation pilot often that's in the subject aircraft? Because we understand the lead aircraft, of course, for both of you is all your trusted pilots. Right. I, I am much, I, I'm, I feel much, uh, much better about putting a less than qualified person in the, in the lead aircraft, the, the actual photo platform. Um, not that we would ever use anybody that was completely unqualified, but if somebody doesn't have a lot of experience, um, you know, we, we would typically put them in the lead aircraft uh, because we, we've used flight instructors and things like that to fly the photo platform occasionally. Uh, but when it comes to the subject aircraft, um, we almost always use, uh, I, I can think of only a handful of instances when we haven't used a formation qualified pilot. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, and I know Scott will echo this, um, you know, safety is job one. <laughs> right. uh, you know, things can go by the time you by the time you realize things are going bad, uh, they, it's already done. I mean, things right. happen very quickly when you're, you know, uh, 20 feet away from another aircraft, you know, going 150 knots over the ocean. I mean, you, right. you don't. You don't have the ability to stop and say, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this. You've got to make sure that the people you're working with are 100% qualified. Yeah, and, and I mean, obviously, when we're, so many of these are, are of qualified military pilots or people who are, who are part of CAF right. or other, other things. But I mean, for a lot of the folks in our audience, they're going to be like, hey, what's a great way to go up and take a picture of a friend's plane or, or get a picture taken of mine? <laughs> And I think it does make a big difference about what your formation training is for something like that, of course. Right. At least one person, either in the, uh, the subject aircraft or the lead aircraft, somebody in that triangle needs to have proper formation experience. Correct. Have, have two people uh, that are not as uh, forming for disaster. And, yeah. and it um, has happened. Before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and the, uh, again, I, I think the lead aircraft is way underrated on that. I think that there needs to be more focus on that, that person with that experience. They're leading the entire formation. Their job is to keep them legal, uh, keep them safe. Uh, and so, you know, I've had it happen where I had what I, what I thought was an experienced pilot flying the, my airplane, but hadn't really done a lot of experience photo flying and turned right into a four ship uh, right echelon of Corsairs. 
and uh, and it was like it it was a it was a mess. So I mean, just don't take that for granted. The, I think the your photo pilot needs to have some experience and be qualified. That's my opinion. So no, that makes a lot of sense. So I think that the message here, of course, is brief the flight, know what you're doing, have experienced pilots along the way, and if not, keep a distance. And um, a lot of lenses are for. Yeah, that's yeah exactly. Right. So let's talk about that for a minute because we've got lots of questions again. So let's let's start with what a what a kind of you you would each consider. Uh, like Scott, tell me a starter setup. You know, what would you what would be the minimum that that someone gets out there and wants to wants to start the ability to, to do some air to air photography? Well, I you know a, a DSLR that uh, is able to go a shutter priority at least, and that you have uh, I would say manual control as well and then the lens my favorite lens is the 70 to 200 um mm -hmm. and that the lens has some sort of a uh, a vibration uh, or uh, some sort of a, a stabilization mode uh, i think that's preferable on that um there there's so many choices uh, on there but uh but uh, you know any as far as megapixels don't worry about that right now i mean I started a magazine on a six megapixel camera. My iPhone's got a lot more than that on it now, right? So I worry about that as much as what the what the camera can do as far as uh, its capability for shutter control and light control, and then the lens. Uh, I like the seventy two hundred uh, as far as a good starter lens. Uh, yeah. Chris, what about you? What are your thoughts on equipment for someone who looks like they're getting started, wants to get started? Yeah, you know, I completely agree with Scott. I mean, the 70 to 200, I think, is a great lens. Um, you know, it, it's a lens that I would recommend to any photographer, for that matter. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're shooting weddings or cars or portraits or whatever else. It is a great lens. It's an expensive lens in most cases, especially if you go with the, uh, you know, the sort of the pro-level models, uh, which are typically uh, a fixed 2.8 um, aperture. But um yeah, I mean, it, it's a great lens. I also use the 24 to 105 a lot. Um, I like it because it is an image stabilized lens. Uh, can give me a little bit of a wider angle, especially if the aircraft gets, you know, if we if we get into a really tight formation or I want to go really wide just to really show the environment. But, uh, you know, I would say nine times out of 10, when I, when I go up on a photo shoot, I carry two bodies with me. One body has the uh, 24 to 105 and the other one has a 70 to 200. Hmm. Fascinating. I'm, I'm, uh, Scott, I'm going to switch now to, uh, to ch change gears a little bit here as, as we uh, move along in time and, and get a little closer to the, to the end of our time. To my favorite picture, I've airborne that I've ever seen. How on earth did you get set up to take this picture? <laughs> well, when you work with EAA, they can, they can make a lot of things happen. So, um, no, the XP82 has just gotten uh, restored, uh, came to uh, AirVenture to be judged, and uh, Doc was there, and we like, that's what this airplane was built for, was to escort the B-29. Uh, and so we had to get it together. It got approved. The pilots uh, did a great job. We got video instills of this. And uh, um, so it was. this was probably one of my more favorite shoots I've ever done. Uh, it was just something about it that... Uh, was very very special. Um, <clears throat> Tom Riley, uh, the, who restored the XP82, I mean, uh, the amount of work and effort he put in to make that happen. The same guy with the B29. I mean, there's there's so much story behind this, and the scene in the air together was uh, very very special. 
on that. Yeah, that I, I, there probably isn't a person in the audience that doesn't want a poster of that one. So I'll talk to you about a signed image afterwards. <laughs> that, that, that's kind of the, that, I, that's the epic World War II uh, classic aircraft picture if you're ever going to get a, of, uh, I, I mean, people off the street probably see that and go like, how do you Photoshop those two uh, Mustangs together? <laughs> well, that's why I kept the background simple so I could do that. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, and the other thing about this shot too, you know, I like to work off light. Um, with a lot of reflections um, and other thing too is I liked in this you know this would have been an alt high altitude formation that's what this would have uh, been in, in wartime so I moved them up and uh, obviously you have the smaller aircraft up front so that uh, that uh, when you put them together there's not a lot of uh, empty space that's mm. important in formation shots here and uh, and now you know, I'm talking to the pilots uh, of each aircraft, and I'm moving them um, how I want vertically. Um, so I'll set the lead aircraft where I want it, and then I'll move the second aircraft from there, for as an example. I don't know if you can see my hands, but I'm that's, flying. That, that, that's a good point <laughs> you just raised, obviously, about, you know, distance to the camera, right? Because if you put the XP-82 right next to it over there, you're going uh, to see a really small XP-82. That's right. That's right. Uh, so that's important in formations, and uh, I'll, you'll see it. In fact, you'll see uh, over my shoulder there. There's a shot of uh, four Mustangs. So that's an example. I actually used the 70 to 200 and moved the formation away from me so that the lead aircraft didn't look too large, because mm -hmm. um, a lot of times they'll fly a formation too close, and so you, in order to get that aircraft in, all the other ones look too small. So I'll move them away so I can zoom in a little bit to make them more, all more relevant into the picture. That's one of the secrets of shooting formations. So let me make sure I understand that again. So what you're saying is, to, if you've got multiple, multiple ship formation that you're shooting, you actually want them a little bit further away from you, the lead aircraft, to be a little bit further away from you so that you can, you can properly space them all and not have one block everything. Is that, what I'm, is that what I'm hearing? Not one block and not one dominate the, the photo. If the right. shot's about the formation, then uh, I move them further away so I can make them all more similar in size so that the lead mm -hmm. aircraft doesn't dominate the photo. That makes sense a lot. And I think there's probably a lot of number two, threes, and fours out there that appreciate the fact that you yeah. didn't make it all about number one. So the key in doing that is, is you can't zoom too much because then you'll have a focus issue or a depth of field issue between the front and the, and the lead, lead aircraft and the back aircraft. Because if you think about it, each one of those wingspans is about 40 feet times four with space in between them. You know, you're talking about a lot of distance there. So you, you have to do it in such a way to where uh, uh, you, I, I will shoot it and I'll crop in a little bit later on, but uh, I still move everything further away. So how far apart are, are these two aircraft in this shot? And uh, these here? Yeah. Are you talking about the XB-82 and the B-29? Yeah. Or are you talking about the Mustangs? Um, um, the XB-82 and the B-29. Okay. And this one, um, this is 7200, so that B-29 is probably <laughs> about uh, maybe 75 to 100 feet behind the XB-82. Okay. So really interesting. And, and I see the different things from, from the elements that you've been talking about this evening. You've got you, you cloud perspective, where you put them to be timeless, the fact that you're thinking high altitude, the distance and, and how you frame them. 
and then uh, even uh, sun position, because obviously this is very different sun position than, than the others. You know, and we do circles so that we see a variety of light happen in a short amount of time. Right, Chris? Is that kind of what you guys do? Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 So uh, I have several other shots of in the same formation going around where the props are lit up. <clears throat> this ended up being my favorite, but you're looking. The other thing that I wanted to see is see how the edge of the clouds are lit up. <clears throat> Um, you know, that that whole uh, silver lining thing, right? Mm. So it all kind of came together on that shot um, and gave it more of a historical effect in my mind. But, uh, but no, yeah, you're, you, you've got to be, you, you, you brief and you, and you fly the brief, but you don't always shoot the brief. Right. You shoot what opportunities present themselves and you create those opportunities by looking and adapting to the backgrounds that are presented to you. Very, very interesting. So um, we are uh, at the end of our program now, and, and it's been so fascinating. Um, for each of you, Scott, can you, what kind of parting uh, advice can you give uh, people who are watching? What are your kind of thoughts on, on someone looking to learn more about air-to-air -air photography uh, as a parting word? Yeah, so uh, I, I really believe that if you can work with professionals, that's the best way to do it. When I got started in this, that's what I did. And uh, that, that's what I would recommend um, to, if you want to do it. I mean, a lot of my students that I work with, they have great careers doing other things. And they want to do this as a hobby, but they want to do it well. And so whether you do it a hobby or you're trying to do it for a living, uh, work with professionals on it. Mm. Don't just go up with whoever and do this. It's like, would you go cage diving with sharks? If you didn't know, <laughs> right? No, that's the kind of, because this will bite you like a shark will. <laughs> <laughs> once. <laughs> yeah. An excellent point. I mean, so much that we do in aviation is all through apprenticeship and all through this concept of learning from mentors and everything like that. And so I guess aviation, air to air photography or aviation photography in general is no different. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and Chris, how about, how about you? What are your thoughts on? on uh, yeah, on yeah, I, I agree with Scott. I mean, you certainly want to work with professionals. You don't want to go out and wing it because uh, I mean, there is a there is a, certainly a degree of danger if to this, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Um, I, I think the aviation uh, environment is filled with people that enjoy um, taking people up and sharing their experiences and their their. Uh, professions and things like that with, uh, with other people. I get calls from time to time, uh, you know, with people that want to go along or I have people come up to me at work or whatever and say, Hey, I'd love to come along on a photo shoot. And we try to make that happen. Um, mm -hmm. we also, uh, do some online, uh, uh, tutorials and things like that. Uh, I know this week on AOPA live, um, which is one of, uh, AOPA's, uh, web-based shows, uh, we're, we're going to have a, we, we've done an entire, um, a video on behind the scenes of a uh, of an aviation photo shoot so you know just getting involved you know even looking at youtube and, and just getting a sense of what you're getting into and then find a you know find a qualified professional and and just simply come along uh you know as a flight going to things like oshkosh hopefully that will happen again very <laughs> soon uh, there's a lot of you know you, you'll find people out there like scott and a lot of others that uh, are willing to share 
uh, their experience. And I would say, you know, reach out on social media to, to some photographers and say, listen, you know, I'm, I'm having a problem with, you know, uh, this setting on my camera, or, you know, I'd love to meet up with you at Oshkosh and just pick your brain for five minutes over a cup of coffee. Um, you know, do that. And you'd be surprised people, you know, I, I love talking to other people about aviation photography. It's what I do. It's my passion, just like Scott. And, uh, you know, I have, I have nothing to hide. I will share all of my trade secrets with uh, anybody that asks. <laughs> Well, that's fantastic. Again, thank you both so, so much for taking the time to join us this evening. Chris Rose, Senior Photographer at AOPA. You can reach out to him as well. And of course, again, Scott Slocum, President of Aero Marketing Group, Photographer for EAA. You can follow Scott at uh, Air2AirAdventures with the number 2, Air2AirAdventures.com or Media Group. Dot com and uh, as uh, Scott mentioned of course uh, he's, he's he has teaches uh, as well and so both of you thank you so much for joining us on social flight live I'm sure we could we could talk for absolutely uh, hours and, and I just thank you for the work that you do that shows up uh, through the magazines on all of our doorsteps so so regularly thanks Jeff I really appreciate being yeah. here we appreciate You're it very yeah, welcome for Social Flight, I'm Jeff Simon. Be sure to check in with us again next week at Social Flight Live. We are will be joined next week by Four Flight founder Tyson Wise. The, uh, that's on Tuesday, September 22nd, always at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. On the 29th, we have Barry and Brian Schiff joining us. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, to see that father and son duo with that are so uh, iconic in general aviation. And on Tuesday, October 6th, Vans Aircraft founder Richard Fingrunsman will be with us. And so, uh, again, fantastic shows coming up. Thank you all so much for such a great program. Be sure to check out socialflight.com and the free mobile apps. That's how you can stay up to date on everything happening in general aviation. We are here to support you. Until next time, I'm Jeff Simon, Blue Skies.